But so many people, especially adults in this old generations, they think that growing up means you have to s- stop having fun or you have to have fun. Like adults have fun, you know, they have dinner parties and I'm like, no, like I love coloring. and I love drawing. I will always feel like the Peter Pan at a party because I'm never going to grow up. That's how I feel. <laughs> Welcome to a new episode of Passionista Colorista podcast. Today with a well-known artist, Camilla De Rico, a passionate person who always knew she would work with something creative. She is a master of manga-inspired pop surrealism painting. And if you like adult coloring books, like I do, you probably have seen her three pop manga coloring books. And these books are very close to Camilla's heart. I just love coloring books because ever since I was a kid, I mean, I was born in 1980. So I was used to, to my mom finding ways to entertain children because my mother was a nurse in Italy. And when we moved to Canada, she had her own children's care. So I was surrounded by kids all the time. And my mother just loves to be artistic. So she would always give us coloring books and coloring pages to work on. So it was something that I grew up with. And, you know, back then, it wasn't for adults. It was just for kids. So it was something that I've always like loved and, and thought fondly of as a child. So then when I got to do them as an adult, it just brought back that inner kid in me, you know, where it was like, oh, it's like being back home. And I was like surrounded by all these kids and crayons. And so it's very nostalgic for me. I'm going to ask you more questions about your coloring books, but I have understood that your art career started with your love for manga. Is that true? That's true. Yes. So this is the funny thing about life is that when you have an idea of what you're going to do, the universe tells you, nope, (laughs) this is what you're going to do. So when I was growing up, I loved cartoons. I wanted to be a Disney animator ever since I watched The Little Mermaid and Then as I was growing up, anime entered into Canada and was Sailor Moon and Astro Boy. And I just fell in love with the anime style. So as I was in high school and anime became a big part of our culture here, I decided that that's what I was going to do. I'm like, you know what? I want to still be an animator, but I also am so in love with manga. And then um, as I realized quickly And and during my animation course, I was not good at animating. I did a program and I graduated, but I was like, ah, it's not for me. I decided to become a comic book artist and focus my style in mixing the two genres, which was the North American style and the manga style. And at the time, I was just very new and it wasn't something that people had seen a lot. And so I stood out among the crowd, I suppose, or among the, you know, the professional artists out there. So I and more and more, I just decided that I was I was going to just go as manga and Japanese influence as I could, because not just the style of their their comics, like the look, you know, the aesthetics of it. But it was actually the way they told stories It was very real, even though it was outlandish and it was crazy. Like, let's take Sailor Moon, for example. You know, she was just a, a teenager who was really bad at math and a hopeless romantic. And she got thrust into she just this world of magic and that she was actually the reincarnation 
of a moon princess. So she's actually trying to deal with all of that and high school and meeting this guy that she hates and then finds out that he's actually the guy she's in love with, who's the tuxedo mask. It was so layered. And not just that, but it was really spoke to me on the romantic level. I'm a Libra, so that's, Mm. I'm I'm such a hopeless romantic myself. So those are the kind of stories that I wanted to tell. And those were not the kind of stories that I saw in North America. So I really kind of focused my attention that way. And then the aesthetic of it became something I brought into my paintings. So it started with comic books, but later you started to paint. It's a long story, I guess, (laughs) how I came about, but I had no intention of being a painter. I had gone to college and I had done a couple of degrees and my teachers weren't very responsive to my style. You know, they didn't get Mm. manga. They didn't get the big eyes. They didn't get the look. And they told me that I wasn't very good at painting. And I'm like, well, that's, that's fine because I'm going to be a comic book artist. So I don't really care if I can't paint, you know, (laughs) like I was like, who cares what you think? And so When I graduated, when I got my degree, I was focusing on my comic books and taking that into the world like of illustration. And I started to do designs for snowboard companies. And the way I got into the gallery world and the pop surrealist world, which I didn't even know existed at the time, I walked into this gallery in Vancouver, which was doing a snowboard show. And I happened to have some snowboards to sell. It's an interesting thing with comic book artists. I didn't value the physical art. I valued the product. I thought that the comic book, the publication, was the most important thing that I would do. And I didn't really care about my originals. I put them in a drawer or I gave them away. I gave away so much of my art because I didn't have any, I didn't need it. So when I went into this gallery, I was just trying to offload these snowboards they had sent me because I lived in a 400 square foot apartment and they sent me eight snowboards which are, <laughs> they're huge. And the gallery, the gallery owner's like, no, no, we don't want your snowboards. But what about the originals, the original art on the snowboards? And I'm like, well, yeah, I've got it. Like, do you want it? And they're like, yeah, let's try selling it. And they sold before the show opened, which was, I've never heard of that. And the gallery owner was very encouraging. He really believed in me before I even believed in myself. And he's like, well, why don't you submit some more paintings like this, but you know, cause at the time my art was on paper. He's like, can you do this, but on canvas? And I said, well, yeah, I guess so. I'm like, I, I don't really, you know, I was told I wasn't very good at painting. He's like, well, basically just do exactly this, but on a canvas, he's like, you don't have to change your style. Just, just create. And so I did. And that anime style, which I had so focused and honed as a comic book art, I began to merge with my background of being Italian and all the Renaissance paintings that I had seen. So I started to do portraits, like manga portraits, basically, and they were very well received. So I took what I loved as comic books and then I transformed it through manga and continued that love of that style and the storytelling into the world of galleries and pubs. Realism was something that was happening in Los Angeles, and I wasn't really privy to it until a collector from Los Angeles actually became interested in my art from this gallery show in Vancouver and helped me break into the scene in California. And from there, it kind of just took off. And I've been part of the the Pops Realist movement ever since, which is, I believe, 
think I was like uh, 2004. It's been a while. Hmm. <laughs> it's been a while since I've been doing this. But how was it to change medium from paper and to canvas? I mean, it's totally different mediums. I suppose it was difficult at first because paper is more refined and it was easier to refine, let's say, than to do to use paintbrushes, you know, thin paintbrushes to draw on canvas, which is what I was trying to do at the time. So my art in the beginning was very loose. It was very almost impressionistic. You know, it was just like, mm. let's get these blobs of paint on there. Let's like try to do this. I wasn't a very detailed artist at the time because I was so new to painting and then as my style has progressed, like nowadays, my art is very different. Like you look at over the past 15 years, how much it's evolved. And it was a big change, uh, definitely from the beginning and uh, to what it is now. And it's actually one thing that I, I try to tell people when they ask me, like, how do you paint like this? I'm like, well, I didn't paint like this in the beginning. Mm. You know, I think artists, you have to allow themselves to not be good or as good as they want to in the beginning. And you need to just let yourself evolve and let yourself learn. And every painting you do is going to improve. So I'm just really lucky that what I had done in the beginning, people really responded to. And I think it had that real, that energy and that kind of cheekiness that my, uh, my comic history had brought with me. But was it as much fun for you to do it, do the paintings? Yeah, you know, it was liberating. When you're doing comic book work, you're telling a story over multiple panels and pages. But with um, a painting, you're telling one story in one image, which can be very difficult. But also, it's interpretive, so you don't have to be literal. You know, with comics, it's so intentional. Every single expression, every hand movement, everything is telling a specific story versus a painting where you're just like, I'm going to put, like, make a visual puzzle, you know, which is what I would do. I would take mm. animals or helmets and I would take colors and I would give them significance to me and I would put them all together in one image, one crazy image. Like, I would do some, I just love how wild you can be with, with art. It can be anything. So it was freeing in the sense where I'm like, I'm going to put this stuff together and it doesn't have to make sense because it makes sense to me and other people are just going to interpret it. When you were young, was it obvious that you were going to work with something creative? It sounds like it was something you knew very early. Yeah, I think my mother had told me that I was born with the hands of an artist. She said that my she just knew right away I was going to be creative. And I think that my path, I always knew, I, I always knew I was going to be an artist. I remember the very first career I wanted to be when I was a kid. I think I was like five. I'm like, I'm going to be a paleontologist. I could barely pronounce it, but all I knew is that it had to do with <laughs> dinosaurs and you could draw them. And that's how people made a living. And I'm like, yeah, people draw dinosaurs and that's their career they make. And then <laughs> when I found out that it's not just it's not just drawing dinosaurs. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to find another career that <laughs> that I'm just going to draw. I also, yeah, I think just really early on, I always understood that part of myself as a creative, and I never really fit inside any boxes. In, in like high school, I took every single art elective. I even went so far as to take projects that were scientific or 
you know, in literature and I would make them into visual products. Like we had to do a thesis on Hamlet and I asked my teacher, I'm like, well, how about I do, um, I do a comic book version of it because I wanted to explain to my teacher that I understood Hamlet, but I understood, but this is how I interpreted it. Hmm. And so I did. And my, my teacher was just so Mrs. Brown, that was her name, encouraging. And she loved it. She thought it was great. And so that actually led me to taking literature into comics later on. Where did you find your self-esteem? You seem to to don't bother so much what people told you or if people said this is not something you're good at. Well, I don't care. Where did you find that? (laughs) Um, Do you know what? That's a really good question. No one's actually ever asked me that. I don't I don't know where it came from. It could have been because my mother was creative herself and she was very artistic. Even even though my mother was a nurse and she went into healthcare, she was amazing at drawing and she encouraged me to draw. And I think both of my parents saw that this was all I wanted to do all the time was draw. And they wanted me to be a teacher in the beginning because they're like, that's like the safest thing you could do is just like, okay, go to college learn how to teach and become a college professor, teach art. And uh, as much as I appreciated that idea, I did not want to be a teacher. And so I wanted to just to be a working artist. I wanted to take the chance and do this. And I think it's just um, that confidence or that self-esteem. I didn't have it with anything else. Growing up, I wasn't athletic. I wasn't beautiful. I was nerdy. I wasn't popular. All I could do was draw. And I think because of that, because everything else in my life was more difficult, you know, I uh, wasn't that social. All I was, I focused on the one thing I was good at, maybe, if I Mm. was to really think about it. And then I thought, well, that's what I want to do. And I think most artists that I've talked to who are professional artists, if they do it because they're so passionate about it. I mean, I, I know I know somebody who I grew up with who is a technically was a much better artist. He was so good <laughs> and he would always win the, the art awards in school and I could never beat him. And then he actually became an accountant after art school hmm. because he didn't want to live that artist life. He's like, yeah, I like drawing. I like painting. He's like, but I'd rather a safer bet. Uh, He's amazing at what he does, but he never took that path. And I think maybe for some people like myself, we just can't stop this creative flow and we need to, we need to try getting it out there. Do you still have the same passion? I do. I do, but in different ways. So The one thing that has changed in my life is that I that's this is the one thing they don't teach you in school and they really should is that art is a business. And when I was doing illustration and when I was doing comic books, I was working for other companies and I was doing work for other people and they were running their businesses. But as time has gone on, I have made my own business. I have Dorico Studios Limited. And I make my own products now and I work with other companies, true, but I do most of it myself. I've become something that I never imagined or intended. Mm. And that's the part I think I I like the least. (laughs) I mean, the part I love the most is painting, is creating. And the part that is 
The most important, though, I think, is the business side, and you have to have a real business mind. And so I've had to learn through trial and error because I never went to business school. I didn't do that. I, uh, my sister, who was a hedge fund manager, she helped me to develop my business in the beginning and run it, and she taught me a lot. And I've learned so much, but I still love painting. I love drawing. I just finished the three pieces for, or I didn't finish them, but I'm working on them for the Haven Art Gallery. And these pieces, I didn't mean to do it, but I basically told a story over three pieces of my experience in 2021. And hmm. we've all gone through a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Who thought what we like since for the past two years, what we would have experienced? And I know it's been the strangest years. Oh, it has been wacky. Like, I, I think we woke up in another universe. You know, it's mm. like, wait, are we in the darkest timeline? Mm-hmm. I think we've uh, <laughs> we we've crossed the line here. So the only thing I could do to channel all of this experience and emotions was to put it into a, a visual form. And as I'm creating these pieces, I feel so liberated. I feel like, okay, I can't say in words what I'm feeling, but this picture says everything I can't. So these pieces, when you see them together, they're not the same person in each piece. But if you look at them as a whole, you can really tell that somebody's gone through something. And that's where that passion is. That's where this this drive to create comes from is this feeling these like images pop into my head and I just need to get them out. And with a tendonitis that I've developed recently, I'm not allowed to paint. I can't really Mm. do much. I have to do basically like one hour a day. And even then it's, I really need to rest it. I'm feeling like I've got ants in my pants, you know, like I really, I want to do more. I I need to create more. It's, Mm. it's just part of who I am. So yeah, I'd say I'm definitely passionate about it. And Yeah, I love the creative part. Can you describe the feeling you have when you are in this uh, creative mode, when you are having flow? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, first thing I do is I sketch out the ideas and... I sit there a lot of times just staring at this blank piece of paper. I'm like, okay, what am I feeling? What do I want to say? And most of the time I'll stare at it for about like an hour. And then suddenly I'll be like, okay, let's just don't overthink it. Just start drawings, just start putting some sketches. And so I started to feel like, well, this one painting I did, and it's a girl who's crouched down on the, on this, um, well, she's just crouched down and she has her head is open and inside out of it are coming bees. And I started that by going, okay, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. And so I'm like, I've got how, how, what's that? What does that look like? And so I'm like, well, I I just want to crawl into a ball. And so I basically drew that. And then I'm like, what does it feel like? Basically? Yeah. What is this buzzing? And I'm like, it's, I I want, my head is overflowing. It's like, I can't keep everything in. Mm. So then I just, open the the head and then I'm like everything that's coming in and out and it's out of my control that's represented by the bees and so then I drew that and 
then I, you know, and then I moved on because I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to come up with something else. And then I started sketching other things. And then eventually, like, I'll come back and I'll look at every, all the sketches I've done. Some of them I'll refine because some of them, okay, I'm like, I like that pose. I like that concept better. So I'll mix and match and then I'll spend some more time sketching out the ideas. And then once I've decided on the pieces and generally I like to create a theme so that all the paintings relate to each other. I'll pick the ones that I think relate the most and then draw them out on the wood. And then that takes about a day per piece because I really want to make sure that the drawing is as perfect as I can. Hmm. So that's kind of like the technical side of it. That's where my emotions are less involved, I would say, when I'm actually drawing it on the canvas. And then once I'm starting to take paint to the piece, that's when I really let my emotions take over. And that's when I let that flow happen. And it's this almost Zen feeling. Like I turn everything off. I don't want to, I close my door. I don't want any disturbances. I'll put on an audiobook so I can take, my mind can go away. My mind can be occupied with something else and my emotions can just take what they need and, and like take the colors and, and apply it. And there's this real excitement actually when I'm working on a piece and I get really, really into it. And I sometimes it's very difficult to stop me. <laughs> Can, that was actually a question I got when I hear you talk about it. Well, I mean, this is the problem with my tinnitus is that sometimes I'll work for like, I'll paint for eight hours a day, just straight. And you just get caught up in it. It's like, if you're watching, I don't actually know a good analogy, but I guess if you're like watching a show you know, on Netflix, and you're just like, I got, I have to see the next episode. And suddenly you realize it's four in the morning, and you've watched 10 episodes, and you don't really realize what you've done. That's what happens with me with painting. When I look at your paintings, there are so much colors on them. I love colors. Do you also love colors? Yeah, I mean, the, it's a lot of rainbow colors and different colors. I love color so much that I wish I could eat it. Like I keep saying this and I'll, like I tell my fans, I'm like, I would eat neon pink if I could, I would eat it. So, cause it's just, it's so delicious. I love color. I really do. I have a, a fascination now with the absence of color. And I think with me now, what I'm, as I'm evolving, you know, as an artist, I'm seeing color as intention. Now it's not just like a scene You know, you take a photo of nature and there's colors everywhere. Now I'm actually seeing color as a statement, a plot. So I'm trying to now with the with the girl, like these paintings did, I did for Haven Gallery, they're all in grayscale except for certain parts are in rainbow. And that is telling its own story. And I'm obsessed with the rainbow idea and this absence and then overabundance of color, I think is something that I'm becoming very, very fascinated with. But how do you decorate your house? Is it full of colors or do you need to have it all <laughs> white? <laughs> Because it's all in your art and your head. Yeah, actually, it's funny you would ask that. My place is mostly white and then I have natural colors. So I have a lot of natural wood and then I have the the most colorful things in my house are the art and when you walk in every piece of art is framed in white and so it kind of blends the, the the frame blends into the wall and but the art stands out so 
brightly and boldly. I love white so much. I, all of the statues I have are white. Everything that I've ever bought that was colorful, I'm like, like I, for example, I have an umbrella stand and it was colorful. And I'm like, no, I'm going to paint it white. And it just like, it just looks like a ancient Roman statue, you know, or a Greek <laughs> statue. I think that part of me that loves that white comes from having gone to so many museums and seen the sculptures just in pure white. And there's something so ethereal about that. There's just something, the word is pure. I mean, there's just pure. And I, I, I can stare at those statues for days, honestly, just taking in all every single little detail about the, the craft of how it was put together. But where do you find inspiration for your art? I think that when I was first starting painting, I was very, very fascinated by industrial technology and by old rusted metals and the juxtaposition of living versus man-made was very, very interesting to me. And that inspired a lot of my art in the beginning. And then every year, my inspiration changes. And I think right now I'm inspired by Well, I take inspiration specifically from emotions. I think I'm trying to dissect ex like the experiences that we're having emotionally over the past two years. It's something that, like in the beginning of the pandemic, I was cr I was crushed creatively. I I'll be honest. I was I had hmm. a solo show I had to do, and then suddenly the the world shut down, and I was like, well, I can't do everything that I was supposed to do. Everything changed and I didn't know what to think I didn't know what to feel and I said I'm like well I have to do the, this show what am I going to do and as a, um, a counterbalance I actually created the Spectrum Girls and the Spectrum Girls came from my adoration of color so it's funny that you would ask me do I like color because mm. I absolutely adore it so when you look at my Spectrum Girls from my Sky solo show you no know, my color wheel show The girls, I was like, I'm going to focus on my like red. And so I took all of the reds I could imagine and all of the red animals in the world. And because nature is something I absolutely adore. Color is something I adore. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make an entire red painting. And then in my mind, I was like, I'm going to line up all of these paintings in the gallery show. So when you look at them, they form a rainbow, but then individually they're so beautiful because each one is like a love letter to that color. And that to me made me so happy. And I was enthralled in each of those paintings during the pandemic. So I couldn't go out. I, we were all shut in, but I was in my own world enjoying that glorious green you know and I was like mm. it didn't matter to me what was happening outside because I, here I was just having this love affair with these colors so that really saved me I think from being depressed creatively But how did this coloring book thing started for you? Pop manga coloring book, your first one. Oh, so that was because I was started working with Random House and they're a publisher in, uh, in North America. And uh, they asked me to do, they approached me to do a book, a how to draw book. 
And it was a how to draw anime book. So I said, absolutely, I'd love to. And we worked on that. And then as I was working on that, and they were really excited about that, suddenly coloring books, the adult coloring books started to become trendy, I guess, or they started to become popular. And the the publisher's like, hey, like, would you be interested in doing a coloring book? And I said, yes, absolutely. I have so much art. <laughs> I have so many ideas and so many things. And so the first coloring book was a hodgepodge of all, all of my different art. There was robots in it. There was animals. There were mermaids. There was all sorts of different things. And it was this so much fun. And they're like, okay, these coloring books need to have patterns in them which is different than when we were growing up. We didn't really have patterned art. So I worked with a designer as well to help me create these patterns. And she and I just had such a great time working together on this book. So that really took off. And the first book did really, really well. And it was so much fun. So then the, the uh, Random House asked me to do another book. And this time they said, well, we want to make it a specific theme. They're like, what do you, what do you like? And I, first thing I said was mermaids because I think I was a mermaid in a previous life. <laughs> wow. Oh, I love water so much. Like it's hard to, once I'm in the water, it's very difficult to get me out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I love mermaids. So we're like, let's do a, let's do a mermaid coloring book. And that's when I had to come up with so many mermaids. And as I started to draw these, it was like, I'm not just going to do girls with fishtails. I'm going to do girls with jellyfish. You know, like the bottom is a jellyfish or the bottom is an octopus. I got to be so creative. It was definitely like exhilarating and like being a kid again where you're just like, oh my gosh, I can do anything I want. And, and it's <laughs> just so much fun. So that was really great. And didn't you get fed up with doing mermaids? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely had my moments where I'm like, if I see one more fishtail... <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I stopped eating fish for a while. I was like, that's it. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I definitely took a break from drawing mermaids <laughs> after that for a while. I was like, uh, but I bounced back pretty quickly. So my, um, my healthy love of mermaids is still strong. I still love them. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I just finished my next coloring book Ooh. which um was dragon themed so i i'm having the same feeling about dragons where i'm like i don't want to look at those scaly <laughs> you know like don't even look at me lizards <laughs> you know i did so much research to try to find like all the different creative ways you could draw a dragon so oh my gosh so much work <laughs> but how did that start how did you uh, decide to do a dragon coloring book So that was actually the publisher. I really wanted to do a book about bees. Like I wanted to do a, a coloring book about bees. Ooh. Right? That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> They are so cute. Right? Everybody loves bees. I know. Um, but the publisher's like, do you like dragons? And I'm like, of course I like dragons. Everybody likes dragons. They're like, well, would you do a dragon book instead? I'm like, yes, okay, well, that sounds fine. I'm like, I'll do bees later. But I mean, of course, because dragons, of course I love them. They're like dinosaurs, but with wings. So the idea was fantastic. And then I said to them, I'm like, listen, like, I, I don't want just dragons. Like, I, I'm a huge fan of mythology. Hmm. 
I know all about the Norse gods, the Greek gods, the South American ones. There's just so many things. And so they're like, yeah, well, we could do dragons and other mythical creatures. So the book has dragons, but it also has minotaurs and, and it has cyclopses. And it's um, so it's, it's full of a few different things and then just dragons. And that really made me excited because I've always wanted to do a book about mythology. But when will this book be released? So this one is coming out in April next year. Wonderful news. And uh, how was it to work with it? I actually had been doing a, a, a Myths and Monsters show in Australia. So for Bynart uh, Gallery, I'm probably mispronouncing it. I think it might be, I'm just going to call it Bynart. <laughs> so Bynart Gallery in Australia. And I had, uh, I'd drawn about 12 of these really interesting monsters in like casual, almost human situations. Like there's a, a satyr who doesn't want to get wet. So he has a giant leaf over his head because he doesn't want to get wet. And then there's this one with a, a half girl, half uh, chicken, and she's putting her hair in a ponytail. And it's just fun things like that. I mean, I like to look at monsters as if they're just doing their thing, you know, like just because we don't understand them doesn't mean that they're evil. Mm -hmm. I mean, my whole my whole life I've grown up like that because a shark isn't evil. It's just doing its shark thing, you know, just stay out of its way. And it's the same thing with Medusa. They're just trying to live their best life. So uh, what I want to do with this book and which makes it fun for me is to show the softer side of monsters. There are, of course, some dragons that are very vicious because there are some jerks out there. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. So I do have some mean dragons, but then I do have a lot of cute ones and I have a lot of friendly monsters and not so friendly ones so that it's like a gentler version, I suppose, of the mythical creatures that we've grown up to kind of fear. But you did kind of the same in this uh book that I love so much cute and creepy pop manga oh I love cute and creepy it's my I think that one's my favorite because I just love the alliteration too cute and creepy yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah you're right I did I I, <laughs> I basically took all these creepy ghosts and ghouls and and I made them adorable yes they are so adorable I don't like Halloweenish or scary stuff but I love this book <laughs> oh <laughs> Well, that's like, oh, I'm so glad you like it because that's exactly what I was going for. I just wanted people to have fun with it and see these, like, these things that are supposed to be scary, but they're actually just so cute and fun. And like, oh my gosh, my little friendly ghost, he's got like rosy cheeks. I could just imagine someone coloring him with pink cheeks. And it's... Uh, I love doing that, Paige. Right? It's just so much fun. Like, I just want to have fun in life. And I think part of the escape I have is with my art. So as sometimes I do paint very serious things and I do draw very serious things. But sometimes, honestly, I just want to forget about the troubles of the world. And I just want to draw cute things. And I think cute and creepy came out at the right time because it came out last year, I think. Yes. Yes, it came out last year. So much has happened. I don't even know what year it is. <laughs> and 
it came out last year and it was just, I think came right when people needed something to take their mind off of the world and they could just like look at these adorable things and just like take their mind off of all the serious things and just have some fun. How different is it to do a coloring book compared to your, when you are doing your other kind of arts? It's almost like merging the two. It's taking the concept of paintings, which is one image where you're telling one story and then taking that line work and uh, exaggeration from comic books and putting it together. So I've absolutely adored doing all these individual illustrations because I get to bring back that comic because I haven't, I haven't actually drawn a comic book in a while because of all of the other work I've been doing. I had to kind of uh, take a break from doing comics. And so this way I still get to have a lot of fun with all these characters in motion and they're, you know, doing things and, uh, and, and, but again, it's like the same idea of telling one story in one image that, um, makes it so much fun for me. Do you color in your books yourself sometime? <laughs> no, I haven't yet. I know I should, I haven't actually <laughs> It's so I'm such a bad artist. No, and I want to, but I just I'm so busy. We talked about it before, but it's like running a business is a lot of work. It takes more work to run a business than it does to do the art. So I just I should probably take some time once my wrist is healed up and just say like, you know what, tonight I'm coloring and (laughs) I want to very badly. And I think I should absolutely do that as soon as uh, my wrist is healed up. I will. I think I, I have to. <laughs> But how was it to start seeing your pictures colored in by someone else and posted online? Oh, my gosh. That's the one thing I didn't actually think about through the whole process was what other people would do with the art. I was just excited that I got to draw more stuff. And you're right that that was the first time. I'd ever seen anybody color in my work because normally it's like I give them a finished product. That's it. Mm. We don't get to collaborate. But wow, there are some insanely talented people out there. And even the like just kids that are drawing and trying to stay in the lines and they can't. They're just having so much fun with it. And I am honestly, I'm blown away by the creativity. Some of these people are they're just they're incredible. They make me they humble me when I see what they do and it actually makes me want to color in because I'm like, Oh my gosh, look what you guys are doing. You're doing it so well and you're having so much fun. And yeah, it's amazing. What do you do when you need to, wind down and relax if we do color in your coloring books what do you do so I do two things no I do three things but they're not artistic surprisingly (laughs) generally if I do anything that's artistic I'm I'm like oh this is what I could do with this you know and I could I could like make it into a coloring book or I could put it in the gallery show what I do to unwind I love Uh, flower arranging. Mm. And now that I've moved and I have a house and I have a yard that has all these flowers, I've like over the summer in the spring, I just, I just made these arrangements and it was just so much fun. I would spend like an hour doing that and posting about it. And I just, they're so pretty. I just love flowers. So I do that for fun. And then I do, uh, I, I've, I've recently started making 
charcuterie. Ah. And so, I mean, of course, because I'm Italian, I'm obsessed with prosciutto and salami and all that stuff. But I never had a house. I never had anything. Where am I going to hang a, a, a prosciutto leg? <laughs> so now I'm actually doing that. And it's funny because my dad and I are both doing it. So he started uh-huh. to get into it. And it's like a hobby for both of my dad and myself. And it's really cute. Like he came for a visit and he's like, let me see your prosciutto. And I'm like, take him up there. He's like, oh, it's looking good, you know. And then it's just, it's so much fun. And it's just silly. And there's a, it's a fun way to spend an hour. So I do that. And then the one, the other thing I do, which I just absolutely love, and I could do this for hours on end, is to write. I love writing fictional stories. So I, Ooh. oh, yeah, I love it. It started out when I, I started doing fan fiction because I didn't like how The Walking Dead was going. So I'm like, that's it. I'm writing my own version. (laughs) (laughs) It's, again, that Italian passion. I'm just like, ah, I get so mad. I don't know about you, but I get really upset when I see certain characters die or certain things on TV shows where you're like, why would you write it that way? So... (laughs) I know. I know. It's silly. I started writing fan fiction and then it became something I found so liberating and so freeing that now I've actually started writing my own vampire book. And uh, it's it's really it's really silly. It's a girl who wakes up in her favorite TV show. Oh, yeah. It's very meta. And uh, so I actually share that with people on Patreon because I wrote three novels and my team was like, why don't you share it? I'm like, well, I guess so. Yeah, people can sign up if they want to read my book. So people sign up and they every month I send them chapters and we have a book club. It's pretty fun. But how can you say that those three things are not creative? Writing, flowering. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You're right. You're right. You're, they are definitely creative. They're just not me sitting and drawing or painting it's just good to turn off your your brain sometimes. I guess you have a studio or where are you physically when you are creating? Um, yeah, I have a, a room I dedicate as my studio. So it's um, my supplies and my easel, and my drawing table and my computer. So I'm really lucky that now I live in this house because with a, with a separate room, because for the past many, many years... I think probably like five years I was working off of my kitchen table because I couldn't find a studio that would rent to me for an affordable price. I mean, I lived in Vancouver at the time. And so you can imagine real estate in Vancouver, how expensive it was. And people just didn't want to anything that was affordable for an artist was in a very scary part of town. And I work really late at night, so I needed to find something safe and so for years, I just worked at home and uh, yeah, I mean, it was difficult, but now I have a proper studio and I'm so excited to be working out of it. So you don't need to take everything away off for the day. Yeah, exactly. Because that was the problem. My husband would be like, it's messy. I just want to have dinner. And I'm like, ah, and then take it all away and you put it in the closet. And then, yeah, you're right. It, it was not sustainable. That's for sure. And then The reason why we moved was because during the pandemic, my husband was laid off and he had to stay home and it was two people living in a small space and working from home. Mm. And let me tell you, it got really uncomfortable after a few months where you're just like, I, we have to get out of here. (laughs) And so we ended up moving and 
I think that really made a huge difference in our lives. And I'm so much happier out of the city. Mm. You said that in this room you were surrounded by your supplies and things. Do you have any favorite art material, favorite art tools? I do. I love my duo oils. So they're, they're oil paints that you can blend with water instead of solvents and mineral oil. So they're actually eco-friendly and they're my absolute favorite thing to use, like 100%. And they're made by Holbein, which is a Canadian and Japanese company. And I recommend them to everybody because they're just so, so wonderful. What is it about these uh, manga style girls that you like so much to to draw and color or paint? I think I love how big their eyes are. For me as an artist, the, the eyes are the window to the soul. It's such a cliched thing to say, but it's true. But even beyond that, because I do paint a lot of my girls without even having any eyes, uh, I think it's that stylized, almost fairy-like look they have where they've got these big lips and long, long hair and colorful hair and and they're just they look young but they're not I don't know there's just something so gentle about them but it's this gentility that is that uh, kind of masks the strength and I think you can be very you can underestimate things that look soft and you don't realize that they're actually very strong I think that's what draws me to that. And in this dragon coloring book that will be released next year, do you have any favorite page in that book that we can look forward to? Oh, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a few. There's um, there's this one, and it's uh, it's the it is Medusa, and she's like kind of hearing something behind her. I love the way that her snake body coils below her. I love that one. And then there's a dragon. It's a double page spread and it's like a, almost a lizard, a feathered lizard. And he's got smoke that's billowing from his nostrils and it's like sitting on the floor. And it's just like something I love about that dragon. He's just, um, I don't know why I always think of them as boys, but, uh, that particular dragon just has this look like almost inviting you to get on its back, but I certainly wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't touch that guy. <laughs> I've learned my lesson. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I love those two pages a lot. And then there's another one that I did. It's uh, actually the world turtle. And it's it's not a, it's not a dragon, but it's this um, giant turtle that has a mountain on its back because it's it's such a gigantic tortoise. That one's really neat. I like that one a lot. How long that time does it take for you to finish a coloring book? About a year. So from the time they ask me to the time that I submit, it's probably more than a year. But I try to do it in a, as quickly as possible because, you know, they still have to the printing process takes several months. So if I start something, I know that it's going to be a year and a half to two years before it actually becomes publicized and people can actually buy it. So I try to work quickly. I think this dragon book, I think it was maybe nine months that I've been working on it. So you are doing several different kind of art work at the same time during a year? Yeah, yeah. It is, it's part of my creative process to 
work on one thing and then as my energy wanes because it's I I can be very excited in the beginning and then after a couple of hours I'm like uh I don't want to look at this anymore and then I'll switch and then I will create something else for a few hours and then I'll just some so it varies because if I'm on a roll and I just don't realize that eight hours have gone by <laughs> that happens but there's a lot of times when I'm just like I want to switch and that way I actually maintain that creative energy much better instead of forcing myself to just do one thing at a time. And if you're forced to do something and you're not really feeling it, that actually affects the art negatively, neg negatively. So I like to bounce back and forth between a couple of projects to stay excited about what I'm doing. How are you managing now when you are hurt and you can't use your hand and arm so much? Yeah, no, right now it's difficult. I think luckily, or maybe unluckily, it may have been the cause of my tendonitis, is that I had just finished the coloring book art, and then I was doing the paintings for Haven Gallery, and the also a painting for Corey Helford, as well as I did this uh, this art challenge called Drawloween. So every day I would do a drawing, and I think I just did too much in a short period of time. So luckily I got the book done and the paintings were mostly like I'm, I'm at the very tail end of finishing them. So there's not that much left to do. And then it really flared up. And I think my right now I'm in a really good position where I don't have a big workload at the moment. And my publisher, because I'm, I am working on a graphic novel they understand that I can't work. Like they actually let me take a pause on the book mm. while I was working on the coloring book. That's good. Yeah. They were just like, yeah, you can't do both. So why don't we do the coloring book first? And then you can work on helmet girls afterwards. So we just put the book to rest. And now that I've got tendonitis, I have to be very careful and doing a helmet girls, like specifically this dystopian um, comic book is very, very labor intensive. So I'm not planning on actually working on that until next year. I think now what I'm going to do is finish up these paintings I have for Scope, which is Haven. It's the Scope Art Show. And then Corey Helford. And then just actually take a break from doing any kind of art for the next few weeks and see how see how I do. Because I am doing therapy for my arm. And I've taken a lot of people's advice. Like do art for like an hour and then pause and then do exercises And then also physically go out and exercise to take your mind off of the things because stress is a big cause of tension as well in the body. So mm. I have to relieve stress. And so I, I'm managing it. And I'm very I think I just I think maybe it's not great that I have tendonitis, but it actually works out to be a good time for me to get it because generally at the end of the year, I wind down and I have less things that I'm doing. So I don't uh, push myself. I, I, t I do less in December because it's Christmas and New Year's and nobody wants to work <laughs> in December. No. Are you going to have a cozy December this year then? Yeah. So this year we're having a small Christmas with that. Uh, last year, we actually, my husband and I spent it alone in the city, separated from the family because mm. we were moving and because COVID and this year, We're actually going to spend it with some of our family, which I'm very excited about because I love Christmas. It's one of my favorite holidays. 
Wonderful to hear. I have a one more coloring book question, and that is, me and the listeners of this podcast, we love coloring books and we lo- love your coloring books. But the, when we tell people around us that we are coloring in coloring books, many that the people are like, what? What is that? <laughs> is that something that you, that uh, reaction that you will receive? I mean, you have this fine art and then you have the coloring books. Are people looking down on your coloring books? Oh, no, I don't. You know what? It's funny. I get (laughs) I get interesting reactions from people because I think people, if they're not in the creative, you know, if they're not creative and they're creative minded and they're more just like, I don't know, they don't really get in touch with that inner child in themselves. They tend to be like, oh, that's for kids. Right. And I'm like, no, it's for adults. And they're like, what do you mean? You you do you do coloring books for adults? I'm like, yeah. You know, and I explain to them that it's actually better than sitting on your phone and playing with an app or watching TV. Like you're actually being creative and you're taking your mind off of things. And then they start to understand. They're like, Oh, that's really neat. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like when you were a kid, you liked to color. And how did you feel when you did that? And they're like, well, I felt really good. I'm like, well, that's what we're doing. So, but so many people, especially adults in this generation, they think that growing up means you have to stop having fun or you have to have fun, like adults have fun, you know, they have dinner parties. And I'm like, no, like, I love coloring. and I love drawing. I will always feel like the Peter Pan at a party, because I'm never going to grow up. That's how I feel. <laughs> you shouldn't feel bad about coloring. It's fun. <laughs> oh, I don't. I just, uh, <laughs> sometimes we get that reaction from other people, they get like a, their eyes <laughs> look dead. They don't understand what we are talking about. Oh, yeah. Like that stare where you're like, oh, my gosh. Well, what do they do for fun? Like, (laughs) I don't know. Watching Netflix, maybe. Oh, yeah. See, that's not fun at all. (laughs) No, I think we're due. I think everyone should just have fun the way that they like to have fun. And honestly, I encourage all adults to be a kid again. Like we have one life. And why would you want to live it in, in a boring restrictive way i say use your one life and have the best life such great words to end this uh, episode thank you camilla it was wonderful to talk to you oh it was so much fun to talk to you and you know what i'd be happy to do the podcast again when the new book comes out so we can talk about it and see what you think about all the dragons (laughs) i will look forward to see all your dragons (laughs) <laughs> That'd be great. It's so nice to hear that you have uh, will re- release more coloring books. And thank you everyone that's been listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you.